0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm your gray-haired host, Sam Yates. You know, uh, we have had uh, several episodes with engineer Fred Schaefer talking about the condo collapse in South Florida, and I'm fortunate enough to have him in studio today. And, uh, it's a good thing that, um, I get to introduce myself first because he would be introducing himself as the gray bearded (laughs) engineer and Fred and I have not uh, seen each other face to face in a while. And uh, Fred, that's very becoming of you. And I I just want to compliment you on it and get on the record as saying, I like that. It's a good look.
1: Well, uh, as you know, we spend our summers in uh, Western North Carolina up in the mountains. And so I, uh thought I should look like the locals up there and, you know, the guys from the you know, Moonshiners TV show who actually live about 10 miles down the road from me.
0: That's <laughs> amazing. Like That's amazing. You fit right in, but I, I think it's a very distinguished look. But today, let's talk about the the Surfside Collapse. Uh, early on, you were one of the uh, first professionals to take a look at that and do a bit of a, a differing approach to it than uh, what the TV commentators, uh, the experts that uh, call themselves that uh, were saying. And as it turns out, you're pretty much right spot on as to, to what happened. So uh, any postscript follow up to that before we start taking a look at some recommendations for people who may live in similar buildings?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I made a, f- a number of assumptions at the time, when I, and the only resource I had at that time was the uh, video from the neighboring condo of the initial collapse, and and at the time, <clears throat> there were elements that it appeared from that vantage point that the collapse had started at the roof and went down. And um, then about the uh, plaza deck or the over the parking collapsing as well, and it, And there were some elements to it that led me to believe that the way the building was constructed was what's called a post-tension concrete slab. Well, in the interim, you know, I've been following, I follow this uh, on uh, various sources, both uh, through the engineering societies and just basically YouTube videos, and and, um, found out that the people had acquired the original construction drawings and uh, structural drawings and had made them available online. So I actually was able to download those and look at how the building was constructed. And um, then the follow-up <clears throat> um, investigations and testimony as to the sequence of collapse. And uh, it did start down at the uh, parking deck and then knocked two major columns out from underneath the edge of the building. And then that's what precipitated um, the um, the total Failure then, um, the building was constructed as a conventionally reinforced concrete slab and beam or column uh, structure. The um, so my first assumption about post tensioning was not correct, but uh, that the the cause of the deterioration is you know the, the type of construction is not as relevant. You know the, that type of deterioration would happen. Either type of construction, so you know the the cause is still the same. Um, the uh, looking at the uh, plans and, and analyses by other engineers, um, <clears throat> there were a number of design issues on that that uh, could have very well, con- you know, been contributing factors. Um, One of which, again, something I picked up right away was the fact that when you build a structure like this, you you had an L-shaped multi-story building with a one-story parking underneath the pool deck. So those two types of structure react differently to the wind loads and the thermal stresses because of the sun and that. And so I... All the projects we have ever seen, what we worked on, and then projects similar to that that we have designed, we always make the parking deck a separate structure. They're, the building columns would have a bracket sticking out, and then the deck would sit on the brackets, but they'd be, uh, be able to move differentially. Well, in this building, that they didn't do that. They poured the the first the, or the main living floor, the first living floor, and the deck as one continuous piece of concrete and the the failure did start in the parking deck and when the parking deck failed and collapsed it caused two of the columns that were adjacent to the deck but were holding up the main building it um, resulted in a twisting motion that bent the tops of those columns and failed those two columns and then when those columns failed You know that deck, left, and that that uh, eliminated support to the next floor up, and then that failed, and it cascaded from there, from those two columns outward, east and west along that uh, leg of the building, and then south to north. So the eastern edge, which was also a shear wall, is what failed last in that segment and, and collapsed. On the west side of that leg, right there at the corner of the building was where the um you know, uh elevator and stair towers were and there was actually a i i haven't determined if it was actually a joint there but it was at least a weak point so that part of the building snapped off the other part and that's what kept the north south leg closest to collins avenue from failing now <clears throat> interestingly and in, see um the studying the plans and, and again the analyses from the other engineers who did detailed analysis on it, there were areas where they were under reinforced. There should have been more reinforcing bars, especially in that parking in the plaza deck. And uh, you can see after the fact, when the deck collapsed, the, the column was poking through the deck. The column below was still standing up, but it was poking through the deck. Well, there should have been more steel. In the slab above those columns, it was under reinforced, and that again contributed to the fact that when the first part of the building, the first part of the deck failed, the rest of the deck should have survived, just a localized failure. But because the whole deck was under reinforced, it just again domino effect from there. There's one other element that doesn't seem to get much attention. Um, that is a is a critical point in in the, in this. And, and it ties into what uh, what we're um, about to discuss here, is that, uh, if you recall, when the, the remaining part of the tower that was standing, they explosively demolished. And the company who did that is Controlled Demolition, Inc. And it's a family-owned company. I mean, mom, dad, everybody's an engineer in that operation. They are the premier company in that field. And... Um, the, there was a report that the uh, technicians who were installing, you know, you install the explosives and that involves cutting and drilling the concrete and that they came out and commented that that concrete was some of the worst they'd ever seen. The the it was very very weak. So um, that is a major contributing factor to the deterioration, that, you know, that took place, which we discussed in our last interview. You know, that that plagues all all the buildings, uh, coastal buildings throughout the world. So, Fred, by taking a look at what
0: happened there, uh, obviously it gives us some clues as to what can be done going forward to prevent other buildings of similar nature, similar age, uh, perhaps even similar construction or not, uh, by uh, taking certain things uh, into account we can perhaps prevent this tragedy from happening again. And and I have here in front of me a uh, news release and a detailed report that, um, as a matter of fact, you supplied from the American Council of uh, Engineering Companies and the Florida Engineering Society, among others, that uh, has recommendations on how to avoid the Champlain Tower collapse, surfside collapse. What are some of those
1: recommendations? Um, So in the... uh... In the recommendations, uh, one of the things they're talking about are um, an organized program of inspections. And and, uh, the inspections are to be performed by either a registered engineer or architect and uh, somebody with experience in building design and in uh, the evaluation of existing structures and they uh, are making it more standardized mm-hmm. you know instead of just you know go out and look at it there are certain elements that they are discussing that you need to take note of and um among those things are you know the uh contamination of the of the concrete uh, the uh deterioration of the steel you know the rusting and that and um
0: would that require coring or what would that require? Um, Going-
1: Actually, there is uh non destructive methods mm-hmm. that can be used. A um <laughs> we were a number of years ago, we were doing surveys using ground penetrating radar. Yes. A a ground penetrating radar, you can uh the technology is getting good enough you can not only locate where the reinforcing bars are, you can get a pretty good image of um their condition. Uh back in the day when we were still doing this, you had to use an X-ray for that, but uh the newer TPRs are, are and um, are much better. And then also there, we had a uh, there's an instrument called a Galva pulse, which we had and used and that necessitated uh exposing a part of the rebar and attaching a lead to it and then you had a sensor and you could you know, move it around and, and measure the amount of uh, electrical current. Uh, the The corrosion is directly proportional. Well, it produces an electrical current in mm-hmm. the bar. So by measuring the electrical current, you can determine the rate of corrosion. Um, so we had a uh, large, bulky piece of equipment that we use as that. Now they have a phone app. Amazing. <laughs> that does that. <laughs> Amazing. So... Um, but you know there's another element that's not been discussed in this that I've been contemplating lately um <clears throat> that's gonna take some some serious uh thought and recommendation you know considerations um one of the issues in in the uh champagne tower thing, as like I said, is the reinforcing wasn't there, wasn't properly placed. I have encountered that myself. We would go out on some of these decks and the whole top, you know, especially if people had carpet on, when they pull the carpet up, all the concrete above the reinforcing still comes with it. So you can literally see every bar on that deck, on the top of that deck, which mostly being that they're cantilevered construction. It's the top mm-hmm. bars are the, are the critical bars. And so you could you know, see, okay, that's number six bars at 12 inches on center. And... Number four bars, 12 inches on center going the other way. Well, I mean, we've pulled the carpet up and the concrete came with it. And you could find random pieces of steel, different size bars, different spacings. And and because of experiences my late younger brother, who was also a structural engineer, had in constructing some buildings in Miami, this happens because the contractor, he's, you know, I'm pouring a floor a week. And in my brother's case, they said, you know, he worked putting the steel in. And uh, his boss says, well, I didn't get my rebar shipment in. Like I said, I'm pouring anyway. So they would grab whatever bits of bar and everything they can. And, and sometimes they were just, you know, the concrete's flowing. And they're pushing the steel down into the concrete. And I have seen that. So now, what happens? This is the question I've been wondering. What happens if... In the course of this investigation, you find an existing building that has a condition like that where you can look at it and with the technology be able to see what the reinforcing is. Then you can go back and do an analysis and say, hey, this you're, you're lucky this hasn't fallen. This is not up to code. Um, and you find half the balconies in the building like that. That kind of repair is massive. Now, how do you deal with that? You know, I don't know. I'm, you know, this is issues that uh, uh, the building officials and the engineering societies and uh, the condominium associations are going to have to address. What, What do you do if you're looking at a $20 million repair, you know?
0: unfortunately, as we've seen with Champlain, uh, they were given options of making repairs. There were uh, multiple items that needed repair, and it appears, and I'll use that word carefully, it appears they were neglected. They chose not to do the repairs, and I would venture to say in a lot of the cases that you're talking about, if an association knows that Uh, the, the balconies on that 40 story or even 14, 10 story, whatever it might be needs replacing, they may not go that
1: route. Well, yeah. Uh, the reporting that I have seen on that was that they had an engineering firm there in 2018 who did a standard, but you know, and I've seen a copy of their report and it's, it's a conventional report for that type of, uh, you know, uh, analysis at that time period. And, um, and when it did recommend, had, seri- you know, recommendations for major repairs, and again, according to the reporting, the board decided not to proceed at that time. Now, I can believe that because I have had that experience personally. Just uh, months before the actual collapse, the new, the new board had just come on. They authorized repairs. And so the, engineer had remobilized and done the plans for doing the repairs and they issued they bid those issued them and there was a contractor had actually was had started work they the reporting is that the board decided not to proceed with the repairs um, then the replacement board uh, the next board just authorized repairs the contract was starting and then the collapse happened and again this is I'm eminently believable to me because I've mm. had it happen many times where the board just didn't want to spend the money. Now, the problem there is that under Florida laws, I understand it, I'm not a lawyer, I'm an engineer, but under the condo law in Florida, it uh, said that a uh, board member is personally liable for their decisions. They can sue. And I'm sure they, they didn't com- contemplate anything like this, but supposing uh, a flower pot falls off of a deck and uh, hits somebody, okay, you know, so now they can sue the condo board. And if it turns out that there the somebody had reported this flower pot as being a dangerous situation, then the board members did not do anything about it. They could be held personally liable. So this is the, the uh, ultimate extreme case. And the fact that, you know, ninety some people perished in this. Now you're talking about um, felony charges, and uh, you know this is much more serious. And you know, I'm sure that there be civil lawsuits because the board, the previous board members failed to act. But I'm was just wondering if um, the, uh, the legal authorities, you know, the, the, whoever the uh, was it the city of Surfside or, or, or Broward County, whoever was would be filing charges on anybody.
0: That's going to be interesting to follow because uh, that has not been resolved yet. It is still in the middle of litigation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This will take years to to sort out. uh, But, um, you know, it does serve to emphasize, you know, the importance of, of this. And, uh, and I think it's something that in in the uh, recommendations for these inspection services, you know, this is a you know going to take time to develop, and then they'll implement it, and you know, then it'll you know refine over the years, and, and you know, based upon you know what works, what doesn't work, and and quite honestly, what the new technologies bring. So you know, if you can kind of new t- technology develops that can uh, help identify the problems and/ or solve the problems and uh, it would give a you know that would have an influence on what's going on
0: we're going to call on you as this entire saga continues and with that uh, I want to ask can you come back again in the future sure absolutely fantastic you are the go-to person when we have these type of questions uh, you're very unbiased, you're very fluid and extremely knowledgeable, so that's why we turn to you, Fred. We appreciate it very well, much. Thank you. Fred Schaefer, the Schaefer Group, and uh, we've been talking about the Champlain Tower collapse and some of the new recommendations and some additional new thoughts from Mr. Schaefer on that, and we're going to have him back because we're going to talk when he comes back about acoustic monitoring as well as a bridge in South Florida that has been shut down multiple times. And there's a little history behind that that uh, we know about. And Fred's going to go into a few details with that. So, Fred, again, thank you for being here. We're going to come back uh, with another episode in the near future. And in the meantime, I'm Sam Yates, your gray-haired host of the Great American Senior Show. And that's how our program ends. (laughs)